Welcome to Bitch Talk, booze and interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. This is Ange, that's Aaron. What's up? We got Char quarantining on the ones and twos. Hello! You can find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter. We only send it out once a month. You can also find us every Monday morning from 6 to 6.30 a.m. at bff.fm. Boing, We've been really wanting to have this conversation, um, and and we finally get to have it. We have friends of the show, Lindsay Repko and Derek Hosberg, sitting down and talking to us about grief. Um, It's heavy, but it's needed, and um, what a time to have it. So um, have a listen, and we'll see you on the other side. We here at Bitch Talk uh, have been doing... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a lot of Zoom cast podcasting, and it's been fantastic. We've, we've had a million people on uh, from across California, probably, I would say. Um, and we've talked about a lot of different things. We've celebrated Asian Pacific American Heritage Month. We've had on uh, the East Bay duo, David Diggs and Rafael Casal. Um, we've had, uh, friends of the show come back on, Dino Ray Ramos, um, and, uh, and HP Mendoza. And, you know, we haven't talked about really the pandemic and, um, what this moment means and loss and grief because we're all going through it together. And, um, we just thought it was time to have that conversation on the podcast and bring back a couple of, uh, folks that have been on the show before. We have Lindsay Repko. Um, Lindsay has been practicing locally as a psychoanalytic psychotherapist for over a decade and is currently the school counselor at an independent high school and has a pra- private practice in San Francisco. She enjoys helping people to make meaning of their experiences, whether they're struggling with things like depression, anxiety, relationships, perfectionism, identity, or histories of trauma. Personally and professionally, she feels a deep commitment to understanding the relationship between white supremacy, class, and colonization, and the lasting impact of these things on our hearts, minds, and bodies. She loves yoga, poetry, creating stuff, and thrifting, cloudy days, the F word, I guess you mean fuck, uh, traveling, which you can't do right now, designing elaborate cheese plates, uh, Shout out to Cornishons uh, and rituals. In quarantine, she's enjoying the meditative activity of washing dishes, taking hip hop dance classes, wearing wigs, and a good fucking boulevardier. Is that how you say yeah. it? Fancy. Um, and Lindsay's also my badass neighbor, and she's basically family at this point. Um, so give it up for Lindsay Repco for coming on the show. And um, we have another friend of this show that's been on several times in kind of different variations of, um, how would you say it, of your work life, Dara? Sure. Uh, Dara Cosberg, who is the director of programming for Reimagine End of Life. And, and that is an event that Bitch Talk has been a part of for the last couple of years. And we really appreciate being a part of that event. And we can talk about that a little further into the podcast. But um, welcome to the both of you. I thought it was perfect having you both on. We have the therapist here and we have the person who is helping people get through this moment with activities and events and and uniting people. So thank you both for being on the show. For having me. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So we're in a moment right now in a really heavy moment. I I also want to acknowledge and I'm going to already start crying. (laughs) Sorry. Um, it's been a heavy fucking week. 
we're in a pandemic and um, our country is having a real hard time um, in the face of racism, I think, and white privilege and white supremacy. And um, there's a, I think there is um, space in this time for um, a lot of things to um, boil. And I think that's happening. And I, I personally think it's a really good thing, um, even as hard as it is. But I want to recognize the names of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, and Breonna Taylor in this moment, because um, I don't know, I feel like the revolution is happening. And it is being televised. And um, I think we're watching that along with going through a pandemic. So I don't know where to go with this right now, but I think maybe I, I'll go to Lindsay first because um, you work with grief and you work with loss on a daily basis in your work life. And I don't really know how you're doing your job at this point because there's so much happening on a daily basis. I mean, if you can elaborate with um, in what you do in your practice, whether it's at school or private, are, how are you doing this? <laughs> How are you handling all of the emotions and feelings in this moment? Yeah, I have to be honest with you today. I'm feeling in this week, I've been feeling super raw. And I think that part of being a solid therapist is to be real with yourself about where you are and what you need, while also recognizing that um, you've signed up to serve uh, other people to get through these things. And so um, I think that consultation has been like incredibly important to me throughout this time. So I, I kind of talk with another person and other professionals and I'm in various groups where we kind of think together about the psychological impact of all this shit like the shitstorm that we are in and is around us. Um, I'm doing a lot of yoga. I'm like stopping and noticing my breathing a lot. And then on certain days, I'm eating a whole lot of donuts. Yes. And, um, <laughs> you know, having a few glasses of wine. So I think it's like, it, it goes up and down. And, and I think we have to be honest with ourselves about some days just feel like, shit it's hard to get out of bed and I I stand back and I look at this and I am a privileged white person in this country so it's like that's questions posed to me but then I also feel a sense of duty and responsibility to just kind of take good care of myself so that I can be available to keep doing this work and thinking with people yeah and um, Dara, you, like I mentioned in the intro, you work, um, you're the director of programming for Reimagine and Reimagine sparks community driven festivals um, and conversations that explore death and celebrate life. And I think this is a really um, key moment for your organization right now. And I know you guys had to pivot pretty quickly to do a lot of online uh, programming and um, can you can you talk about the needs of the community right now and and how you guys are trying to serve the community? Yeah, um, so we actually had a in-person festival planned in New York City, 
um, our second, and it was supposed to happen in June, um, but of course got canceled. And we made a decision really quickly to pivot to a virtual festival. Um, and we kind of did it in a few weeks. Um, so we launched a festival uh, May 1st um, that is set to run at least through July 9th. Um, and the kind of collective grief that we're feeling, I mean, it's, you know, I, as somebody who just feels a lot myself, um, it was, it was kind of just a natural choice for us, given that we all, the whole focus is around talking about end of life issues, which is that's when like serious illness and death and loss and grief in many forms, not, you know, we're, we're experiencing grief in so many different ways right now. And, um, and the isolation that people feel around this. And so we, we launched kind of our programming actually with the greater good science center at UC Berkeley um, to put together this event called the dose of togetherness that we've been doing on a, mostly, you know, a weekly basis, but hosting, you know, anywhere between one to three events a week, um, which were are really designed just to bring people together. And, you know, we have a meditation and then we'll have a reflection by a thought leader in the kind of end of life space in, in some way. And then um, we get people together in small breakout groups and people come from all around the world. Um, and and, and just talk about, you know, in groups of four or five, um, pretty deep questions that come up, a lot of them relating to grief. Um, and are, for me personally, my favorite part of the week, where it's like a time just to connect with strangers. Um, and, and I think there's just like that beauty of connecting with strangers around um, really hard topics and just sort of opening yourself up. And, you know, so that was kind of the start, but now it's, you know, a community driven festival. So we have hundreds of events happening all around the world now, um, you know, mostly US based, but in Italy and Brazil. And, um, uh, and really like, you know, it, some of them are very COVID specific, like kind of how to fill out a advanced care planning, um, you know, directive right now. Um, and then others are very kind of wellness sort of around living fully and, and you know, there's like yoga and grief um, or sort of thinking about the preciousness of life right now and, and how, you know, you can embrace that um, in a positive way. Um, but yeah, I mean, but I, I do spend a lot of my day talking to people around um, COVID and grief and loss and yeah, it's, it's pretty, it can be, it can be pretty heavy. Yeah, it, it, it's hard. I think that there's another conversation of like, you know, people are finding it hard to be productive right now and, and feeling pressured, like, oh, we have all this time to be home so we can work on all these things. And, um, but, but for, for you two, because you're working so closely with what's going on right now, do you, do you find that your work is, is, is empowering you and helping you through that process or, or, um, um, and, and just kind of helping you with your own personal grieving? You know, something that I've noticed that I've actually um, 
appreciate it. And I, I also want to recognize that this experience, I think, can almost feel overwhelming or flooding for some people. But this whole setup has kind of broken people open. Um, Aaron, kind of like what you were saying in the beginning, where you were saying that it was, that there's something, um, you think it's good that like so much is kind of coming undone so that we can look at it. I think it's allowed um, folks, at least in my position, that have access to therapeutic services that can join me on, on Zoom or in the school environment and can talk to me. We're encountering each other with greater authenticity. Like literally, we are in each other's bedrooms and kitchens and sometimes unfortunately bathrooms, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think that something that's happened for me in my work is that I think I'm allowing myself to show up just in a more authentic way myself. And so it allows for just a, um, me to, I think, witness the folks that I'm working with in a different way, but they also get to witness me. And it, it's like, I feel like things are more revealed about my process. And then I have like, I'm, I'm having thoughts that I think I've almost been restricted from or haven't been able to access otherwise. And so I get to take this kind of new material and this new authenticity. And I, I do think it, it, it factors into my own healing or how I'm thinking about my own healing or how I'm thinking about returning to healing or helping folks with healing for themselves. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that bodes well to your field is coming at it from a more authentic place. And maybe you're, you're coming out of this a better therapist because of it. Yeah. The Zoom fatigue's real, though. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 155%. <laughs> yes. Kind of this whole, like, people have talked about, like, the the interpretation of, like, you're really present with each other. You're, like, right there. But like you're constantly interpreting each other as though you're there, but you're not actually there. You're in a box in a screen. Mm -hmm. so it's, it's exhausting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I would say, um, I would say overall, I'm, I have a lot of gratitude right now that I have a job where my work is really closely tied to what's going on. And I feel a sense of meaning and it's, you know, and to your point, Lindsay, like the types of connections I'm having right now and the conversations, it's like you just dive in. It's like there's no like, you know, when I talk to like a new person who we want to get involved um, to host an event or speak, it's just like the conversation gets real like right away. And because when you ask the question, like, how are you doing right now? There's no, you know, usually like the pleasantries that happen are just like stripped away. So people just get, you know, are just really honest. And I'm really like appreciating that. At the same time, the intensity of the conversations I'm having at times are pretty overwhelming to me. Like, you know, just talking to healthcare workers um, who are talking about having to look at, um, family members who can't say goodbye. Mm. And, you know, it's, and I actually just 
had a friend who lost a fr um, her mom today and she couldn't go across the country to say goodbye in person. And it's, it's like when you think about it, like the level of like grief and it's, it's just a horrible situation. There's not like a silver lining in that sense. It's like in, in, you know, when I, and, you know, with the healthcare workers, you know, they're asked to be like heroes right now. And it's like, they're feeling these things like they're human. And it's like, there's no space for that, for them. Um, which is such a travesty. I mean, it's like an injustice. Um, so I feel, yeah, so I, I feel extreme like connection to my work and um, the beautiful connections. And I think for me, it, it's like, um, and you know, I think that on like just working at home and sort of a festival that's going 24 seven, it's like, I need to um, be really thoughtful about like carving out time because there is an endless amount of stuff I could be doing at any time or that somebody could need my help. And so, you know, I, I'm trying to be as disconnected as possible when I'm not having to work and like taking long, really long walks and doing painting projects and, you know, that kind of stuff um, has been really important for me. Thank you for sharing that. It's all really, all both of you, really important things to hear and to process. Um, only because I feel like I'm only on social media and, and not on the news so much. And so you only see, you're only looking through a very specific lens about some stories or the pandemic or, you know, everything that's happening. So I appreciate you both being so open. Um, there's a topic that I didn't think about um, when this was starting because I don't have kids and um, I don't have teenagers and I just, I'm not a parent. And I, um, you know, Lindsay and I were talking about this early on and she's at a high school and there's just different layers of grief and loss there. And I wanted um, Lindsay and I'm sure Dara, it's coming up in Reimagine a bit, um, just how, how that's going and, and how parents and kids are dealing with a pandemic and what that looks like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think what, what I noticed, because I happen to be at an independent school and a school that um, has a lot of resources that everyone was kind of scurrying to try and keep stability in the picture, almost as a way to kind of try and help people avoid feeling the void. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that that some of that is good. It's like, you know, the, the, the desire to just keep things uh, as predictable as they can be or so that you can anticipate them is, is, can be healthy. Um, but I think inevitably, you know, it revealed itself that this was like unprecedented and really challenging and then little by little as it really started to set in I think students especially seniors like layers after layers were just realizing oh I'm not gonna have this and I can't do this and 
And so it was just like all of this shedding that was happening. It was grief over and over and over and over again. And there are so many things that are different. And um, one of the things, Dara, when you were talking about gathering with strangers, one of the things that stood out to me initially was that I was talking to so many students about how much they missed the day-to-day strangers and people in the hallways that they were not friends with, but that they would say hello to, and that that was what they were missing. Mm. Um, and so I just think that it's been this, there's been a lot of like kind of expected or anticipated grieving, grieving and a lot of unexpected, like we didn't even know that we had relationships to the 43 bus, for instance. <laughs> but we do like who would have thought that I missed my clipper card <laughs> <laughs> that little beep sound <laughs> yeah so like just all of these layers of grief and loss both from things that seem rather insignificant or like they don't matter to like profoundly horrific losses where life is lost and other tragedies um, I guess I would ask, because you have to work with both, so the students are one layer, but then the parents, like, you, I don't know if you have, from our casual conversations, I assume that you do have some interactions with the parents, but, I mean, that's a whole other <laughs> ball of wax, I would think, so can you talk maybe a little bit about that and, and um, how parents can maybe help deal with their children's loss, not children's loss, but their children's feeling of loss, I should say. Yeah, so I think what I'm noticing is that initially parents seemed to kind of panic. And I think there's also regional differences in terms of how parents are responding, but I think initially there was just kind of this collective panic. And I think in response to that panic, some parents were like rushing in to try and fix things and plan things and schedule things. Kind of like what I was naming that um, schools were feeling pressure to do to kind of keep things going in a somewhat normal trajectory. Um, And then things started to settle. And I think to some degree, some parents are still doing that, but I think there are also parents who are relishing the time with their kid, like before they go to college, whatever college may look like in the future. Um, They're having dinner together, actually. (laughs) Um, And some of our parents um, are essential workers. you know, so in hospitals or maybe, um, you know, uh, in the service industry in some way. Um, So I think there's this whole new discovery for both parents and kids in terms of how we all live our lives and how much, how we relate to each other. So I think naturally in that there's friction and there's delight. Like I think both exist. Um, But I guess just to try and answer or begin to answer your question around what can parents do? I think 
it sounds so simple and it's hard to do, but I think tune into yourself, take a moment to tune into yourself and explore what is it that you're feeling in that day or at any given moment? Maybe what is your kid doing that is irritating or delighting you? And take a minute to just notice that. But then I think when you sit down to ask your kid, how are you doing? Like, be available or be prepared to listen. And some of the times I think kids respond in a way that scares parents or they seem like maybe the kids seem unmotivated in some way. <clears throat> and it can scare parents. And like I was saying earlier, they can kind of jump in and try to fix. Um, but I think pumping the brakes on that and kind of trying to think together about, well, what is meaningful to you? Like, what do you want for your future? How do you want it to look? Or even what do you want a celebration to look like? Um, there's that awesome New York Times podcast. I think it's Alone Together that they have an episode that talks specifically about planning celebrations. But I think to know how to move forward, we have to make space for the grief. And sometimes grief is messy and ugly and hard to contain and get your arms around. So I think being in a space where you can just be ready enough, you don't have to be perfect, ready enough to just kind of receive that and think together, I think is, is one way to help. Um, it's not very concrete, but. It feels like that's how you would handle kind of any relationship though too, right? You just to listen. I mean, it sounds like how we're, how we describe our relationships with our partners because <laughs> sometimes they're annoying, but, uh, but you're going to get through it. Yeah. And that, that's like, it's that times 20 right now. Cause there are all these right. other levels of complexity that are, stirring us up and activating trauma and activating our fears. So, and we're all wearing masks outside. We can't see each other. And sometimes that feels good. And other times it does. It's just there's a lot going on. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to add, so Erin, I think you know this, but um, I also, you know, tutor um, some kids in the evening and so it's been interesting because um, I've continued to tutor them just online now. And what I have heard, especially from some of the older kids that are like in ninth grade or eighth grade who are trying to be independent or like having some sense of independence, mm -hmm. it's like, you know, one of them was just like, I just want to go into an empty house and just be by myself. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that like what she's missing is just being able to like just go off and go and do something with her friends and just you know it's like the usually her like parents aren't there all the time and like um I think you know just sort of what I took from it is like making sure there is kind of carved out time that like a kid or a parent can say like this is my time and I'm going to take this next hour and I don't want to be interrupted. And I, you know, I, I feel like, you know, things that we all need um, 
that I think with the fact that like kids and parents are so like around each other 24 mm-hmm. seven, um, that those needs need to be more explicitly like stated and, um, carved out. And I think the other thing I, I think I'm hearing from kids and parents is like for the summer, especially like they're just kind of concerned about like, how are they going to make the most of their time? Most of their camps are canceled. It's like, how is this time not like just going to be wasted um, in some way? And so, um, you know, with that, I I do think we need to kind of rethink like how, I mean, one, like how education is happening in this setting, because, you know, it looks like it's going to continue into the fall. Um, So like, what does, like online learning or um, school look like in this setting, but also with the summer, it's like, how, how can you still have adventure? And I think like, and, and excitement and all of these things that kids look forward to. And, you know, even, you know, as an adult, it's like, I look forward to the summer because it's usually when I'm getting to go on an adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, on, on that note, I, I just did this, um, program um, with these two people that one, this guy is Stacy Bear, who I'd met because he was a speaker on our, um, on our program for Reimagine. And he's a war veteran who has um, created a, an adventure program, which usually it's like in person out in the wild, um, where, you know, he's worked with people who have PTSD, but just, you know, anybody can, can experience his program. And it's, it's about finding awe in life like and and reconnecting through nature and so he he's trying out this new program at home so i did it this week where it was like an adventure at home and we you know talked every day um with a little cohort and the idea was to kind of come up with like adventures that you could be on and um yeah and so i mean i i didn't get that adventurous but it was um you know i did I mean, one day I was like, my adventure was adding paprika to cauliflower. And that was just amazing. And it was so like, I just was like inspired. Get it, get it. Yeah. I mean, this is what it looks like when you're my, you know, it's like, but I. Um, With your stomach issues too. That's bold. Yeah, that's bold. That's bold. bold, move. bold. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But it was delicious. And so, but anyways, it just, it, I, I don't want to like get a sidetracked, um, but I think what it. Paprika. It, did give me like sort of insight to was that um, having like having adventure in your life is also a mindset. And so Mm -hmm. like, I I do think with like kids, there might be a way and to think about this summer, maybe in a way that adds more kind of an adventurous spirit or like to even mundane things that you normally do, like how you can think about it. Hmm. I love that. This is why I love just your whole organization, Dara. Like, reimagine. We are in a crash course for reimagining life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like that is we are we are being faced with having to create these things that I think might actually put us more back in touch with how I've been saying this a lot in quarantine. How extraordinary the ordinary is. Like we have to like rediscover that well that's the thing about reimagine too it's like oh it's for grief and and you know maybe a year ago some people would hear that and be like oh well that's not really for me but i'll still check it out because i'm not personally dealing with the loss of a person 
But now we're realizing that grief has to do with all of us. And it always did, you know, but now it's just in our face and we're all dealing with grief in, in some way, shape or form. And, and I wanted to know, you know, what, what is something that you, you're both having to deal with in terms of your, your own, you know, I mean, for my own example, I'm, I'm learning that I'm a lot more introverted than I, than I thought I was. And all these things that I thought I loved doing and brought me great pleasure, like, actually weren't as um, fulfilling as other things that I'm doing at home by myself, you know, and I'm not talking about masturbation, but that's also good. That's going to be uh, a topic on Monday. <laughs> yeah, that's for next week. But you know what I'm saying? So I'm dealing with this loss of this person I thought I was, you know, that, um, you know, maybe I'm no longer anymore. But so I wanted to, to hear from you guys, like, what, what are certain things that you're learning about yourself in this time? And, and what are some tools that you're using to deal with that grief? or that loss. Beautiful. Thank you. Appreciate That's beautiful. Well, I think just um, to build off what you just shared, a lot of people would probably describe me as a more extroverted person, or at least like somebody who is like out there in the world doing lots of different activities and meeting up with different people. Um, and I always knew I had an introverted side. Um, in that I just love to make things and I can spend a lot of time by myself just making stuff or reading or whatever. Um, but I, I too have sort of embraced that side a lot more. And I think one of the gifts I think of this time for me is just sort of the em embracing the simplicity of my life and, and really loving it. It's like, my day is like going on long walks, like cooking, I'm cooking more than I ever have. I have like a vegetable box that's delivered and, and how like my general kind of, I don't know, anxiety, it's like, it's much mellower in, I mean, obviously because of the pandemic, there's other anxiety, but like just how soothing that kind of rhythm and then kind of building in different rituals, like whether it's like having movie night with my roommate on Saturday nights or like, you know, doing a really big walk on this day or making a pizza. I don't know. It's like, we've just kind of gotten into a certain cadence. And so I'm, I'm hoping that that will continue in different ways um, after this whole thing is over. I think um, on the grief front, I so often, you know, I'm running programming that where people are talking about grief and I am personally kind of taking, like, I'm thinking about my own experiences and it's bringing up things for me, but like, I'm not able to fully engage with it because I'm also just making sure that the zoom is running properly. You know what I mean? It's like kind of, it's, it's hard to like be in it and do that. And so I think one thing I'm trying to do is like, after I have those experiences, stopping for 10 minutes, five minutes, going sitting outside in my backyard and like actually thinking about what just came up for me. And maybe I'll cry, maybe I'll just like stare at a plant. Um, but it's like, I, I know that, you know, and in, in a lot of my work with like the dinner party stuff, it's like, around like you can't hold other people unless you're being held yourself like it's really hard to kind of and and so 
like I want to be present when I'm in those conversations with people or that when somebody is coming to me, whatever. And I just know I can't fully be unless I'm doing those kind of moments with myself um, or, you know, talking to my friends um, has been really helpful. And then I think just like making things in general, I find to be really therapeutic. Wow. I'm just, yeah, there's, yeah, there's so much richness in what you've said. Um, I'll go really quickly, Lindsay, if you want. Not that Andrew's asking me, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but she shared so much, and mine's not that heartfelt at all. Um, but uh, no, Dara and I uh, got on a call month months ago. No, I don't know, months ago. Uh, I think right in the beginning of quarantine, maybe, and just to check in, and we needed to do it again. And she inspired me to think about. Uh, really going for stand-up comedy because I've always talked about it and thought about it and um, there's just been some things of course this year that are fucking hilarious um, (laughs) that I think could be really uh, really great fodder for stand-up comedy so um, like uh, my future in-laws writing me a birthday card on a holocaust um Holocaust card. I don't. I don't know if you know that, um, but I mean, you know, that's comedy gold. So I'll figure that into a stand-up routine. But I, I really loved having the conversation we did and just talking about it and um, just thinking about you know new things to pursue during quarantine and then after quarantine. So um, I really haven't gotten any further than I thought I would, Dara. But the the, the thought is still there. So that's my. That's we, get, my we can talk again. I need. Yeah, yeah we need to check in, but yeah. I'll throw it to Lindsay. The original question was, what are you discovering about yourself? Yeah, what have you discovered about yourself during this quarantine? And for me, that was a, a certain loss of like, wow, my life is going to be different coming out of this. And, and how do you deal with that grief yeah. and that loss? I feel like I'm realizing that all the things I thought I was honest about in terms of like, where I was at in relationship to my body, in my um, relationship, my marriage, um, in relationship to um, even my family. I've come to understand actually in a time that's like super technology heavy, that I am way more connected to technology than I ever really thought I actually was so maybe using it just realizing how much I use it and like discovering that I want more of an analog life Mm -hmm. um but also just realizing that I thought I had a relatively connected relationship with with my body and and took care of it and again this goes up and down but just realizing that like sitting on the couch and having a conversation without anything else happening in the background does wonders for a relationship. (laughs) Mm. Um, And just um, doing things that, that are striving to take care of your body, but also move you more into the analog space. I feel like makes so much of a difference, but yeah, the, so being more okay with being less connected, which doesn't necessarily mean like 
emotional connection. I think my emotional connections are growing, but it's like where I'm spending my energy and how I'm spending it is much different. I'm feeling more of a choice in that. Mm. It's in some ways, maybe not with work. There's a little bit of like bleeding, like it, with the school at least, like where the days start and stop. Um, I want to thank you both for sharing um, a lot of really great articles and kind of references for this conversation. I wasn't really able to touch on much of them, um, but we did. I mean, we talked about loss of norms um, and trauma um, and, and sometimes feeling helpless in all of this. Um, and it's collective, right? I think everyone is going through this across the planet, um, which feels crazy to me. But I was thinking just to, um, to wrap up the conversation, uh, I read, I think, in the Harvard Business Review that maybe you shared, Dara, um, there, was a, there was a phrase in there that I really, um, I need to, I feel like maybe it needs to be my next tattoo or something. But it just says, in this time, we need to stock up on com compassion. Uh -huh. And I thought that was like, yes. Um, which is hard, I think, sometimes. Um, but, but really understanding, again, that we're all going through this and we're, we're all gonna have different moments in this time, whether it's during a pandemic or um, protesting, uh, because I feel like this is the time where our voices are needed. Um, but um, maybe if you wanna share um, where people, if you want to, people can find you or find your work in this time and also um, maybe talk a little bit about resources for people that are just scratching the surface of their grief or loss in this time or maybe just thinking about that right now. I'll go to Lindsay first. Well, I was just gonna say that I think um, compassion actually might be even more difficult to locate if you find yourself being unable to grieve. Mm. And so I think that um, there's a way that we, we, I think folks can sometimes try to perform compassion, like it's, but it may not actually be, like you don't feel it in your soul and in your own body. Um, so I just, that came to mind when you were posing that. Um, and I guess connected to that is, so this week, I just shared this with the students, but there's a really awesome resource called bethere.org, which is um, really about how to have compassion. Like I think in, in moments of panic, it's really, it's easy to kind of um, assign blame and feel like they're wrong and I'm right. Especially like in regard, we've encountered this with students and even with adults, obviously around social distancing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's like a, um, a moral distress that's happening around that. Um, but uh, the, what I love about bethere.org is that it talks to you about how to have compassion for yourself, essentially, but also how to have compassion for others, both in this time and just in general around mental health um, and then specifically for like a grieving resource well of course shout out to 
reimagine. Yeah. Um, but also the, um, the Dougie Center in Oregon, I think is awesome. Like any kind of resource that you might need, um, it's there and I, it's D-O-U-G-Y center.org. Um, and yeah, you can find me, of course I'm online right now, lindsayrepco.com and um, email contact information is all listed there. Did I hit all your questions, Erin? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I, I guess to answer the resource question, so you can reach uh, or find Reimagine at letsreimagine.org. And we have tons of events, a lot that are around grief. Um, and, you know, both in terms of like movement classes to work through your grief or a discussion. Um, and I also um, am programming um, a weekly event with Claire Bidwell-Smith, who is a uh, author and grief counselor or therapist who's wonderful and and um, it's called holding steady uh, and she gets um, different people in the end of life and grief space um, to come on and they have a discussion and people can ask questions um, so that that's a great I think event um, and uh, she also on her website um, at clairebidwellsmith.com has a lot of resources around grief just like books and articles and also different communities that you can join. Um, so I'll also give a plug to the dinner party, which is a community um, for people in their 20s, 30s, and early 40s who have experienced loss. Um, and they're doing virtual dinner party groups. Um, and also a friend from the dinner party actually just started a group called the COVID um, Grief Network, um, which is for young people who've lost a parent to COVID. Um, and so uh, I, I don't know their website, but I can send that to you, Erin, uh, to include. Um, by the way, that is the cat hitting a paper bag. I don't know if you guys can hear it. Um, <laughs> and so Adventure that, continues. That's, that's, bis that's Biscuit. He's letting me know he's hungry. Um, I know he was like sitting across from me this whole time, just like staring at me, like, why aren't you getting up and petting me? But I, I, I kept strong. I didn't do it. Um, and uh, what else? There was another resource I was thinking of. Um, I guess I'll just say the other um, thing that, you know, I, I've loved like doing meditations in general in my life, but I've never done them consistently until I started doing them for Reimagine. And, you know, one of the people that we've had on a bunch of times is this guy named Rick Hansen. Mm -hmm. And it's all about compassion and like, and also Franco Staseski has also done a meditation and it's like, I don't know. I, I think I've, I've, I've just found that as a way to kind of tap in and be like, for me to sort of self check and see if I'm being, I'm giving myself compassion. Um, so that's another just resource to think about. Mm -hmm. Can I say one more thing? Mm-hmm. Because it just made me think. And Dara, I want to get you like into the school. Can we like make that happen? Yeah. Yeah. Pitch talk bump. Thanks for the bump. Um, <laughs> um, 
what was I going to say? Oh, just the, I found comfort in knowing, and I've learned this through my own personal experiences, that grief needs beauty. Grief needs creation. And so I think not in this like hyper, uh, like compulsive productive way, but if you are able to like go out and see something that maybe you didn't see and create something either in your mind or write something in response to that, or I don't know, craft, Ange, Ange and I are big crafters. <laughs> what that does to, to transform something and potentially give you the opportunity to make meaning of it, like that's special and human and um, life and grief. I mean, that's like, that's life is grief. Grief is life. I, I just wanted to say it's all, that. It's all connected. Um, well, thank you both for being on Bitch Talk again, Lindsay Repko and Dara Cosberg. Thanks for a really, you. really important and healthy conversation uh, around loss, grief, and the pandemic. Um, we're all going through it together, and I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Okay, Dara, now we're ready for your comedy set. Woo! Thank you to Lindsay Repko and Eric Kosberg for their time and talking about a pretty heavy subject, but one that uh, we're all going through right now, loss and grief during the pandemic. In the meantime, you can find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com. For behind the scenes videos and short clips of our interviews, don't forget to head to our YouTube channel and subscribe. It's also brand spanking new. <laughs> you can also find us every Monday morning from 6 to 6.30 at bff.fm. Boy, yo, 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 y